0: Welcome to Aerospace Unplugged, I'm Adam Cress. I want to start today with the question. How do airplanes know where they are? That seems like a simple enough question, but the answer is anything but. Navigating an aircraft and knowing at any moment where exactly it is requires a few technologies working together all at once. Now, typically, aircraft have something called an inertial navigation system, but that system is made up of several parts includes an inertial measurement unit, which uses things like gyroscopes and accelerometers to sense rotation and acceleration as an aircraft moves through the air. The inertial navigation system in the aircraft also includes something called a global navigation satellite system receiver. Now, essentially, a constellation of satellites provides signals from space that transmit positioning and timing data to these receivers on the aircraft. These receivers then use this data to determine location. Now, all these technologies work together to tell pilots their position, their orientation, and velocity. And, of course, this is important stuff. But here's a scary thought. How do pilots, or, or even operators of unmanned aircraft and drones, how do they navigate if these satellite signals aren't available? Now, believe it or not, this is a growing problem. The aviation industry is seeing a significant increase in intentional and unintentional disruptions, including jamming and spoofing. Now, intentional disruptions often happen in a military context when one adversary is trying to deny the critical navigation systems of the other. But unintentional disruptions, on the other hand, can become common in urban environments. Think about bridges or mountains or even a parking garage blocking a signal. Now, regardless of why a signal gets blocked, it's imperative that pilots and operators understand that there are alternatives to GNSS-based navigation, and these can improve performance in both civilian and military applications. So I have two guests on the show today that are going to help me discuss this topic. The first is Ben Moore. He's the Director of Offering Management at Honeywell Aerospace, and Ben leads Honeywell's alternative navigation product line. Ben will be joined by Mohan Jacob. He's the product owner for Honeywell's Resilient Navigation Product Line for Unmanned Aircraft, and we'll talk about the difference between what these guys do. Now, Ben and Mohan will discuss new technologies in the alternative navigation space and how manned and unmanned aircraft can operate when navigation is denied or totally unavailable. So let's jump in and welcome Ben and Mohan. Thanks for joining us today, guys.
1: Hi, thank you for having us.
0: Thanks. Okay, so let's um, let's kind of start at the top here when we talk about alternative navigation uh, let, let's let's hear from you guys each. Kind of t- tell me the difference in your job and what you're focused on. And Ben, you can go
1: first. Yeah, I'm the I'm the alternative uh, navigation offering director here at Honeywell. So what that what that means is that I'm responsible for all of our alternative navigation products, the products that essentially don't use GPS. Uh, so we look at different types of technologies, uh, computer vision, star trackers, radars, uh, all kinds of different sources of information uh, other than GPS to help you figure out where you are.
0: Okay. So Mohan, what's the difference between then alternate navigation and then what you're focused on, which is resilient navigation?
2: So as Ben mentioned, alternative navigation covers different um, technologies and different markets. I am focused on just the UAV or the drone market. So resilient navigation is basically alternative navigation applied to UAV markets. So that's where the uh, difference is.
0: Okay. So let's just start then with with what is alternative navigation. I touched on it a little bit, but from your eyes, how do you see it, Ben?
1: Sure. Well, the, the core of it is using some type of alternative non-GPS sensor uh, to help you figure out where you are. So um, maybe the most straightforward one to think about is a computer vision-based sensor. Uh, so you can imagine a, an aircraft with a, a downward-facing camera. Um, that can essentially compare those images to uh, to a satellite map like a Google Earth uh, or Google Maps type type image um, and uh, and be able to uh, to figure out where you, where you are based on that.
0: OK, so Mohan, tell me a little bit about when these sort of technologies are needed. Uh, you know, I mentioned the military and both civil. Maybe you could touch on both.
2: Yeah, Um Alternative navigation or resilient navigation applies to both military and civilian applications. So it's basically a dual-use technology. In the military world, uh, you would face uh, jamming and spoofing. These are called intentional disruptions. And they are very common in conflict areas. And uh, nowadays, you can see that it is common even in non-conflict areas. So this is where uh, resilient navigation comes in, where we provide... Alternative means of uh, moving from one point to another point. Um, on the civilian application, these uh, there are situations where we do um, uh, power line inspections or tunnel inspections, where you will have to go through places where there is no satellite connectivity, and wherever there is no satellite connectivity, resilient navigation comes to the rescue.
0: Okay, are, are these solutions hardware, software, or a combination of both?
2: I'll take the question. So these are a combination of hardware and software, uh, primarily hardware, which are fixed on the drones. And uh, uh, these these have got embedded software, which helps in the navigation. Okay, it so does, does depend the... on the offering though as as well there are
1: there are um, systems out there that have existing sensors that we can make use of uh, and for those systems we're we're putting forward software only solutions
0: okay um what is the um the installation process look like i, I imagine you're dealing with a lot of different types of aircraft potentially um, is it complex
1: it's very different depending on the particular application you're you're looking at as i said there are Certain applications that um, would be a software only uh, um, installation if they had the existing sensors needed already. Um, many of the others uh, require a fairly, um, I'll say, intense uh, installation depending on the type of type of sensor that it, it that it is. Uh, our celestial system, for example, is probably one of the more uh, one of the more complex installations. Um, requires a, a window looking out the top of the the aircraft, um, and then. Somewhere in the middle is something like uh, Mohan's resilient Nav- navigation system, where uh, you can attach uh, attach the sensors essentially to the outside of the drone. So there's a wide variety depending on the particular application and uh, the particular sensor type you're using there.
0: Okay, so so Ben, I want to dive in a little deeper to something you just mentioned with celestial navigation. Describe exactly what that is, because you're li- you're literally like you said cutting. A window in the top of the aircraft, so that you could see the stars and navigate like they did thousands of years ago, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That that principle still works, um, and it, it can can uh, produce a, a really quite a good uh, position solution. Uh, what's innovative and new about Honeywell's approach there is that, in addition to stars, we also look at satellites and space debris, anything that's bright enough to to. Uh, that reflects enough light for our for our telescope to pick it up. Uh, and it turns out that because those things are closer to you and, and faster moving, uh, that you actually get a lot more information from them and you can get a much better uh, solution than if you're only looking at stars alone.
0: Okay, so for both um, civil and military, what platforms does Honeywell have solutions for now?
1: Uh, it's, a, it's a wide variety of uh, aircraft. Um, down to the, the, the small drones. Uh, and we're also offering things for surface vehicles as well. Um, it's really kind of across the board.
0: Okay. Um, Mohan, how do you decide if you're a potential customer here, take me through the thought process of, um, do you, do you, do people generally wait for something bad to happen and then they're, Oh my goodness, I got jammed. I need something. Or, or are they more proactive?
2: Well, the short answer is right now, there is a big need. Uh, So um, you can see that a lot of conflicts which are happening right now in all around the world involves drones. Uh, It's more a drone warfare than a conventional uh, uh, traditional warfare. So when you have drones, the biggest way, the only way you can bring down drones is by jamming or spoofing the drones such that it goes and... um, Uh, crashes by itself and that's what the militaries do today so when you have uh, drones which are getting jammed how do you navigate in that environment and that is where resilient navigation comes in so today uh, the typical process is that uh, we go and do our initial pitch with the customer but uh, we also invite customers to try out our uh, solution Right? We do demo units, we give them demo units, and they try out this in different scenarios. And what we have seen is we have almost like a 90% conversion from the time a customer decides to try it out, uh, they would most probably buy some units. So that's our uh, conversion till now.
0: Okay. Ben, talk a little bit about um, you know Honeywell's background in this technology. I, I know Honeywell Aerospace creates everything from avionics to wheels and brakes engines for business jets but in this area specifically what's kind of the lineage of, of how they got to where uh, you guys are now
1: yeah honey Honeywell was actually one of the uh, one of the originators of, of modern navigation systems we've been in the navigation system business uh, over 50 years um, so we have a really long heritage of, of building systems that not only provide accurate performance uh, Position information, uh, but but also provide it with integrity, um, and and provide it with um, you know an indication of, of, of quality so that so that uh, pilots know that they can trust it. Uh, so Honeywell anyway, has a very very long heritage in, in that regard and a very long heritage of uh, working to, to combine different sources of uh, of information. You know originally GPS and then INS, uh, but then also things like radar altimeters and. All of these things, um, you know, Honeywell has a long, long history of that sensor fusion uh, technology that uh, that has really uh, served us well as we've moved towards these new, new sensor types.
0: Okay, Mohan, Ben, did a good job explaining kind of how we got to this point, but where is this all headed next? I mean, there, there's going to be so many more unmanned aircrafts of all types, whether, you know, you're talking air taxis or more military drones in the coming decades. Where is this technology headed, and how much more prevalent do you think it will become?
2: Yes. We can see that this technology is actually going to uh, be very prevalent in the future, uh, especially when we talk about autonomy and uh, beyond-visual line-of-sight navigation. So we talk about drones that can fly, let's say, 10 kilometers or 20 kilometers. You need resilient navigation. Without these resiliency, the drone can never fly these distances.
0: What other sorts of technological advancements do you think are, are coming down the pike, say, in the next five or ten years?
2: Yeah. So um, we have to think of uh, r- making a UAV resilient. So there are four elements of resiliency. The first element, as I mentioned, is resilient navigation, where we uh, make the drone resilient against jamming and spoofing and GPS denials. The second aspect is resilient communication. We need to be able to ensure that the drone is able to communicate with the operator and the base station, even when it is thousands of kilometers away or hundreds of kilometers away. We have Honeywell SATCOM system, VersaWare, which is basically going to do the same. The third aspect is detect and avoid or improved situational awareness. We are building Radars uh, which can be fit on the drone and it can help in detect and avoid technologies. And the fourth element here is ensuring that the drone is able to navigate long distances without uh, any problems or redundancies. And that's where we are developing fuel cell based uh, engines which can be fit on the drone and it will help the drone to fly uh, long distances. So, using these four areas of resiliency, Honeywell is trying to make the drone space really resilient and uh, uh, that's where the future is going
0: okay Ben I'm not sure if you could if you can name customers by name but can you talk about um, some actual uh customer uses that are taking place now because th- this is already out there in the world right
1: it is it is already out there in the world yeah we don't uh, want to name customers by names but uh, I'll say that uh, there are multiple examples of of these systems being used um, in in real conflicts right now uh, and we get a lot of um, a lot of pull from those uh from those situations where where people actually try it out uh, in theater they've been very satisfied with it and they've they found that it that it meets the needs uh, and so that that's really um as, as Mohan said when when people try it they 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 believe in it, and that's that's really doubly true uh, when it's actually used in theater. Okay,
0: I, I would imagine a, a GNSS denied environment um, would be almost anywhere uh, in a, in a military setting. Um, but if we switch over a little bit to the civil side, what are the problems that those customers are trying to solve? Where they they may not necessarily be uh, be getting attacked but they may be running into other areas where their connectivity is cut off.
1: Yeah, so uh, we heard earlier about the the situations for, say, like bridge inspections or operating in um, cities with tall buildings where signal can be blocked. Uh, that's definitely an issue. But actually, the, um, the attacks, sometimes unintentional attacks, are a real problem for commercial operators today. Uh, so there, there's been multiple incidents of... Um, Inadvertent or perhaps sometimes uh, intentional jamming around airports that have shut down uh, airports domestically, um, certainly uh, abroad. Uh, there's there's a lot of incidents of uh, in route flights over certain areas that have been disrupted uh, due to this. So it's it's a real problem for the commercial side as well.
0: How do those unintentional jams happen? What causes them?
1: Well, sometimes it's uh, something, uh, some other system kind of uh, radiating in a frequency band near the GPS band. Uh, sometimes it is um, someone with a, I'll say, a, 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 I think they call them personal privacy devices, a, a small miniature jammer that's trying to you know, prevent their boss from, from knowing that, uh, that they're taking a long lunch break. Um, and it turns out that, that actually affects aviation nearby. So, um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of instances of those sorts of things.
0: Okay. What about, um, you guys mentioned earlier, um, uh, not necessarily aircraft, but some of this technology is also, uh, applicable to, to ground vehicles. Is that true as well?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, we, we, we've, uh, have a lot of pro- uh, products that are focused on ground vehicles, um, our our anti jam systems and our, our resilient AF system that, that Mohan leads is um, is a great example that is also very applicable to ground systems as well as the UAVs. So when
0: you guys are talking to customers, whether it's on the civil or the military side, I imagine some may need a, a very robust protection. They they need a lot. It's very high stakes. Um, others may just want a little bit of air cover per se. So how do how do you help customers and how do they decide? Um, which technologies that they actually need
2: yeah so uh if you talk about uh, resilient navigation we follow the principle of multiple layers of resiliency um if the customer is faced with low power jamming or um, jamming for a very very short time we would recommend them to go for an anti-jamming system and that's part of our uh, product suite. if the customer is faced with uh Heavy jamming or going through areas where the likelihood of jamming is quite high. We would recommend them to buy both uh, The anti-jamming system and the inertia navigation system. And if the customer is uh, Intending to fly for longer duration in longer distances without GNSS Then we would recommend to buy the whole suite of resilient navigation, which has got uh, The anti-jamming system the inertia navigation system and an alternative navigation system. So a combination of all these three systems ensures that the customer is able to do long distance and long duration UAV navigation.
0: So on on the civil side of things when it comes to jamming I would imagine mostly unintentional but is this, is this is it really that big a deal on a, on a day to day?
1: Absolutely there are a lot of places in the in the world where commercial aircraft can no longer re- reliably fly because of Uh, because jamming is so constant and so ubiquitous there Uh, so it is a it is a problem today um, and um, you know in certain parts of the world a very very consistent problem
0: okay and then on the on the military side of things i would imagine wherever there's there's conflict there's the potential for this but how much has it really grown say
1: from five or ten years ago uh, it's, it's huge. You know, even just two years ago, we were talking about this as a potential concern. Uh, but now you see it in the, in the various conflicts that are going around uh, in different places in the, in the world today. We can expect that every single future conflict will have uh, significant GPS jamming. And it's the, this, this is the future and and it, it's here already. On the military side is most of the
0: jamming um, like, is an adversary trying to jam just unmanned drones or also uh, like fighter jets or other military cargo
1: aircraft and the like? All of those things. Yeah. Uh, drones, certainly, uh, because they're you know being autonomous, they rely very heavily um, on that. But but even manned aircraft, um, for example, many of the many of the manned aircraft can't uh, complete their mission without. Uh, without a, a solid GPS fix, they have rules of engagement around uh, uh, around the the quality of the GPS fix, um, and and they, they can't execute that mission. So there's a lot of um, a lot of implications for for manned aircraft as well.
0: So as this all becomes more prevalent, especially on the on the military side, all this jamming. Um are, are governments getting involved? Is this sort of technology going to be mandated or or how are how are governments viewing this overall?
1: Yeah, on the civil side, I think you're starting to see some some traction there with um um the FAA and, and the European authorities uh looking at um looking at alternatives and beginning to do studies in that area, but it's it's a, a fair ways off before you would see something like you know mandates on the on the civil side. Uh, on the military side, you see many um, many new platforms coming out with very explicit uh, GPS denied navigation requirements. Uh, so um, very very real there.
0: Would you say if if you think about defense modernization overall, whether it be U.S. defenses or or other powers around the world, that this would be at or near the top of the list when it comes to getting modernized?
1: it is way up there for sure yeah as i mentioned before the the current conflicts have really kind of driven home the importance um of, of this uh, technology and and the the fact that it's a it is an immediate pressing problem all
0: right guys well i really appreciate your time today but i have one more question for each of you of course we call the podcast aerospace unplugged so i wanted to ask you guys what do you each do when you go home and unplug in your not thinking about the scary world of jamming and uh, GPS denied signals and all that. Ben, what about you?
1: Well, I, I love spending time with my with my family, with my kids. Uh, I also really enjoy uh mountain biking. It's a good way to uh good way to uh, get the stress out. Well, what part of the country are you in? You have mountains right around you? Minnesota, so it's really more hill biking. So hope yeah, hopefully not in
0: the snow. I heard they got some already. Is <laughs> true. Okay, Mohan, what about you? How do you like to unplug?
2: Oh, yeah. I play piano. So I like to play uh, some of the Beethovens and uh, uh, Mozarts uh, on my piano, and that kind of uh, de stresses me. It's kind of strange, but yeah.
0: That's great. You've been playing since you were a kid, I assume? Uh,
2: I learned it when I was a kid and uh, continuing to learn through YouTube and other channels today. Yeah.
0: No, oh, that's great. You hear about a lot of people who played when they were a kid but didn't necessarily keep it up, but. Uh... Yeah, I have a boy at home who's learning to play the saxophone, and he pulls up all these videos and tutorials, and it's it's like, yeah, that seems incredibly useful. <laughs> that was not around when I was younger, so. Yeah, uh, well, no, it's very easy. No, it's yeah, easy. definitely. All right, well, I want to thank you guys both, uh, Ben and Mohan, for joining me today on the podcast. And thanks to everyone, of course, out there listening at home. If you want to learn even more about Honeywell's alternative navigation technologies, make sure to check out our website at aerospace.honeywell.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Aerospace Unplugged.